Our call to worship this morning is found in the back of your hymnal. It's a responsive reading, responsive reading number 700. This is taken from Psalm 96. I will read the light face type and we'd like the congregation to join in for the bold face sections. Entitled, O Sing to the Lord, A New Song. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O kindreds of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Our Old Testament reading is found in the book of Job, chapter 11, verses 13 through 18. That'll be page 474 in your pew Bible. Yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault, you will lift up your face you will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday, and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. Our New Testament reading comes from John chapter 6, verses 32 to 35, page 984 in your pew Bible. Jesus had just completed feeding the 5,000, he had crossed the lake, walking on water, and now he was faced with people asking him questions about bread. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I've already had a number of people tell me that their rooms are clean, in case I was going to ask, and I will be asking several times. And I've had a few people tell me, well, I'm hungry. but. How do you know? What is for dinner? Silly questions. 
but uh, I think most of us have heard those throughout our lives several times. Don't you think? How many have heard those questions before or said them? Parents? No? Oh, pastor's here. Now, <laughs> welcome home. Yeah, welcome home. So, I've spoken here a couple of times. I'm going to give you a test first. Um, a little over a year ago, I spoke about something. Do you remember what it was? Not last time, but the time before. Oh, hmm. You know, I, whenever I get a chance to talk or, or to speak, I think that it's important for me. I mean, I'm not ordained. I'm just not a polished preacher and those kind of things. But my sharing time is this time, and so this, this needs to be part witness and testimony as well as lesson and hope. So, not last time, but the time before, I talked about, see if you remember, you raise your hand if it sounds familiar, things left behind. Oh, there were a couple people here. All right. And in that, I shared with you uh, sort of the things that God has left for us in order to keep us, to encourage us, to lift us, to challenge us. And my example was some things that my father left. And you may remember there was a flag. He was served in the Navy in World War II and his Bible, which he gave me, both of those. Now, maybe this is more familiar. Last time I talked, do you remember? Middle name. Oh, <laughs> middle name, where that's right. So the theme last time was, and I shared with you, how God has chosen us as his child before the foundations of the earth. Do you remember? How many remember now? Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We are he has predestined us into adoption as his child. And I shared with you how my knowledge of God came to being as a result of my great-grandparents and my grandmother and my mother and my father and my other grandparents, how God worked miracles through Bible studies with Ellen White, through sharing uh, uh, other homes through a divorce, through my father meeting my mother at school, and with a little deception, managed to get together. And pretty soon, here I am. And their search for God then led our home to a new beginning, of which 
And God planned this, at least as I know, as far back as the mid-19th century and brought the good news to me. Do you remember that? All right. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about things that are familiar, a couple of questions, and uh, hopefully I don't embarrass myself too much. I'm going to share testimony, some experiences that uh, I grew up with, and how those experiences, along with an, an understanding of Scripture, has helped me in my life and helped me understand what it is to begin to know God anew each day. Some of you, like others, take the new year. The new year's here. We have new beginnings. And so we say, let's make commitments. Let's uh, think about things that we're going to do different, new challenges. Uh, we make commitments to do things differently. Change where change is, need, is needed. Enhance where enhancement is desired. We want a new life. We want more of this, less of that. We want to do this and not do that. And so we begin to think about how we can be successful in making those changes, keeping our commitments. I don't like to use the word resolution, but some people call, oh, I have a new, new Year's resolution and this is what I'm going to do. But when I reflected back on my life, the things that help me understand how I can keep my commitments, make a difference, maybe those things can help you too. There were two questions that came to mind. Is your room clean? How does that fit? I don't get it. And what's for dinner? Hmm. Oh, I do promise you to get out on time. So if you are hungry, no problem. All right? Maybe even early. All right. Don't be scared if I take out anything that's funny. Please. Circa 1959. <laughs> the story you are about to hear is true. The names have not been changed to protect anyone. <laughs> You'll know when I'm in 1959 because I look like 1959, don't I? <laughs> no? All right, honestly, how many of you had a coonskin hat when you were growing up? Thank you, thank you, I love you all. All right, and I don't know, were you Davy Crockett? Yeah, any Daniel Boones? Any Daniel Boone? yeah. Well, some of my heroes. Where am I going? I I I'm going to school. Yes, yes, I did. I did. I put away everything. I cleaned my room. 
what do you mean I can't take my hat? Well, how are they going to know that I'm Davy Crockett? Okay. Okay, I won't take my hat. See you later back home. Returning from school, the first place you go is... What? The kitchen. No. Too soon. Out to play. In order to play, you have to change your clothes. Where do you go? And you head back to the bedroom, and you look around, and you realize, hey, things look better here than when I left them. There's more space. I thought I cleaned that room good. And in fact, I got an A-OK -okay to go. But when I got back, the bedspread was a little tighter. Uh, but there was nothing under my bed, so I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have that habit often. There were a, more space, more space for new things. My room was smelled better. Go figure. After all, I was only nine years old, seven years old. And I looked around, and I knew that there was something different. There was a new thing in my room. Oh, I have to be careful with this. There was a new Bible. Now, what was special about this Bible? It was a grown-up Bible. It was for me. And it was a present. Why? Why did I deserve such a nice thing? Why did my mother think it important to leave it for me in my room to find? Let's see. Thank you, Mother. Thank you for my Bible. Now, this is the Bible. So it's in a, a lot of little... I'm piecing it together. See, after give me some things I save. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. I get to read this now. Jesus can become new to me in a different way. Thank you, Mother. Where do I keep it? Well, what do you mean that's not the right question? I don't know. Where am I going to keep it? That's not the right question? Oh, I see. The question is, how will I use it? And when will I read it? Hmm. An early lesson learned was that I was expected to have a clean room. A clean room, clean of clutter. Don't get me wrong, it was by no means perfectly clean, but as clean as I knew how to keep it. What did I know about cleaning a room? 
What did I know about what to keep, what to get rid of? Who will teach me? Who will guide me on room cleaning? What is worth saving? What is not? As I grew older, more was expected. I do remember that when I came home, my room did look better. I did have help. And somehow, my mother always made my room a little better, a little brighter. Occasionally, I got new curtains. Uh, I shared a room with my brother, so you need to know that. If there was any clutter, it was his. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Carl. After I got married, Janice helped me understand the need for evaluating and the need to hold on to or not to hold on to unnecessary things. A lot of things seem to disappear. <sighs> I miss my purple suit. I miss my white shoes. I had this little box, and in this little box were trinkets, junk, and a variety of things that have been accumulated. And this little box was designed to keep cufflinks, tie clips. Yes, there are still tie clips around in somewhere, someone's home, my home. For those of you who wear tie clips now, no offense intended. And a variety of other little things, including if you lift up the top and look down, there were some little pictures, some of my favorite pictures. Why I kept some of them today, I don't know, but they were there. One that's still there was actually from 1956. And there was a little guy sitting on a pony, pudgy, looking cute, <laughs> black and white. It's a black and white pony, so it was okay. I still have that picture and a few other things. But among there were two pictures of girls that I knew in my past pretty well. I don't know how those stayed in there. <clears throat> Valentina and Deborah. Hmm. So when I shared my history with my wife, there was a simple question. Why are those pictures there? <laughs> I didn't have an answer. And so they were counted as clutter, and they left. And it's okay. It was fine. I didn't mind. There was a new lesson learned. There was a new life that was starting. There was a new beginning. There was a new relationship. There was new excitement. And all those things made it much easier to let go of those things that for some reason I thought were important to me at one time or another. Isn't that what God wants of us? Is he your partner in cleaning your room? 
He needs space too. Let me explain. There's a story in 1 Samuel. Lots of stories in 1 Samuel, but in between chapters 5 and 7. And as you can imagine, the children of Israel, God's people, are sometimes for him, sometimes against him. We love you. We forgot you. We're sad. We're happy. We're challenged. We're free. Sound familiar? The Philistines had taken the Ark of God and then left, left the children decimated, left the children of Israel decimated. They took the Ark of God and took it off to other places and pranced it around. And guess what happened to all these places that the Ark went? Problems, plagues, death, destruction. And all of a sudden, the Philistines realized, hey, it's connected to this Ark. And so they said, hmm, we better get, get, get rid of it. We don't want it near us. They decided to take the ark back to God's people. And so they did. And God's people said, oh, yeah, this is good. We're going to have the ark again. And so they took it and took it to a special place and said, now we have the ark. And now we're going to be safe. Nothing bad is going to happen. And so they tucked it away. How long did that ark stay tucked away? Do you know? For 20 years, the ark remained in one place. But the children of Israel, God's people, still were subjected to the Philistines, and things still weren't going right. God's people feared the Philistines. And so Samuel steps in and said, let, let me tell you the problem. Sure, you have the ark, but have you committed yourself fully to God? Have you removed parts of your life that obscure the meaning of the ark? You haven't brought God into a full partnership. You still keep things you had before. 1 Samuel Chapter 7, verse 3, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So God's people assembled together. They were going to commit. They were going to make a new resolution. They were going to be different. They were going to be changed. They were going to get rid of these things that they held on to. And they gathered and assembled at a place called Mizpah. We've heard that word, right? And confessed to God and emptied themselves of their things. They cleaned their tents. They cleaned their rooms. They cleaned their hearts. Philistines were coming. Israel was afraid. But God stepped in and said, 
I accept the partnership. I'm glad you're back. And in fact, let me do something good for you. God drove away the Philistines, and peace reigned once again. A new year has come. Of course, it wouldn't wait. So we often make commitments to be better, to improve our lives, to seek God more often. But do we stop and ask what things clutter our room, occupy our time, not allow us to grow in the way that we'd like or we plan, not allowing God to begin to fill the space we have opened for him and fill us and teach us with the character traits that he would have us have. If God is to be part of the solution, then he needs to have space in your room, in your tent, in your heart, and in your life. It was not enough to have the ark back in town, to acknowledge the Levites are the caretakers again, to understand the power of the ark, to attend church, to go to the sanctuary, to profess the knowledge of the fundamental beliefs. It wasn't enough to be an Israelite. It wasn't enough to be an Adventist. It wasn't enough to read the scriptures. It wasn't enough to give offerings. It wasn't enough to lead or to teach. God wanted to have space to be with them, to dwell with them. He wanted to be, have a partnership in their lives. Only then could good things happen. Only then can God help you and them with their commitments. Job was having a rough time. We know the story of Job. We know it very well. He sought answers, and everybody had advice why his life was miserable. And a lot of advice was given. People had the answers to his problems. Although there were disagreements as to whether the advice was good or bad, right or wrong, one piece of advice stuck out. Job 11, if you would prepare your heart and stretch out your hands toward him, if iniquity were in your hand and you put it far away, and would not let wickedness dwell in your tents, then surely you could lift up your face without spot. Yes, you could be steadfast and not fear, because you would forget your misery, and remember it was water, and remember it as waters that have passed away. Have we allowed space for God in our tents, in our rooms? Have we surrendered to God? And let him lead in the changes we so much desire. Have we left the dirty clothes under the bed? Are there shoes in the corner? Are there special items that kind of now occupy our time and our space that might be better used or replaced with something that God would have us enjoy? What cleaning needs to be done in order to provide a place for God to really enrich our lives? Have we asked God to wash our dirty clothes? Have we asked God to remove the items which take time from him? God doesn't force you to clean your room. 
He's waiting for you to make a place for him. He's waiting for you to ask him to help clean your room, your tent, and your heart. David understood that very well. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The promise is clear. Opening the door to your room is an essential step. But that's step number one. And often we leave it there. Hey, door's open. Come on in. But have we allowed God to work within our hearts? Have we prepared a place for him? He has one. He's preparing a place for us. He's asking us to prepare a place for him. The bonus comes in the second part. I will sup with him and he with me. So what's for dinner? Implicit in that question is the fact that there is dinner. Dinner is assured. My mother was faithful to provide dinner. Oh, what was my part? Reliance? Faith? Openness to accept the dinner? A hunger to partake? Mm. An opportunity to participate in dinner? Let me share another life example. Circa 1959, if you haven't guessed. The story you are about to hear is true with one embellishment. The names have not been changed to protect anyone. Home from school! What's up? Me, what's up? What do you mean that's not a real phrase? I think it's pretty cool, man. So cool it might be a phrase one day. Besides, Jesus said dinner was sup. He said, I will sup with him and he with me. So what's up? Okay, I won't say that anymore, mother. Or all I won't say cool man either. So what's for dinner? Veggie burger roast. Cool man. Oh, sorry, mom. Great. What's that? Sure. We'll go to the store and help you choose the vegetable. We like that. What do you mean I have to leave my hat? They won't know I'm Davy Crockett. <sighs> Besides, I don't mind going to the store. It's my turn to select the vegetable. It's not. Whose turn is it? 
Elaine's? Oh boy, Carl. I hope she doesn't choose Brussels sprouts again. <laughs> so it was when I was growing up. Dinner was a special time. We had a surprise dinner every night, and we liked it that way. Well, every night except Friday night. Well, we did have dinner Friday night, it just wasn't a surprise. We always had fruit salad and English muffins on Friday night. And of course, the room was clean prior to supper. We also participated in the dinner, in its menu, as we frequently went with my mother to the store to choose the vegetable that went with dinner. It's hard not to choose a good vegetable with veggie burger loaf. Pretty much everything goes. But I had my favorites, and Carl had his favorites, and Elaine had hers. <laughs> so we'd go to the store with my mother and choose a vegetable for that dinner. It was a chance to be a partner in the dinner selection, preparation, and most important, participation. Yum. I didn't always get my favorite dinner, and certainly didn't always get my favorite vegetable. Elaine and Carl saw to that more often than I'd like to think about. Maybe it had something to do with the way I was treating them that day. I don't know. Hmm. Should have thought of that then. Anyway, regardless of the vegetable, I always received a balanced dinner. It was just what I needed. Food, family, and a time of togetherness. John 6. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Here Jesus is responding to a question from those who would follow him for his miracles. Jesus had told them that they had to work for food that does not spoil. They asked what must what they must do to do the work that God requires. Jesus responds in verse 29, telling them that the work of God is to believe in the one God sent. Do you believe? When we believe in Jesus, the richness of God comes alive in our room and at our table. When we allow him to assist in cleaning our room, he can stay and provide dinner. He can sup with us. He will feed us with whatever we need to make positive things happen in our lives. He will encourage us to select priorities which are meaningful to us and, to, and others. He will quench our thirst and give us energy to be vibrant. He will cover us with his light so we become more like him. This experience is never failing forever healing, and endlessly guiding. We enter the new year 
and we begin to think about the commitments, changes, establishing new priorities, these things might help us get better grades, help us to lose weight, help us to become healthier, help us to control our temper, help to get to Sabbath school and church on time, help us to be wiser stewards of our resources, help us to make our home a sweeter, more loving place to be, help help us to spend more time with God. And the list goes on and on. You know what's on your list. Could be one thing, could be many. I believe that there are lessons taught from Scripture. If you are serious about making changes to your life, you will need to invite Jesus into your room. Then ask yourself, is my room clean? Will you allow Jesus to help you clean your room? You must accept his offer to have dinner. Not only let him in, he wants to have dinner with you. What's for dinner? Spend some time with him and enjoy the generosity he has to give. Listen to what he has to say and enjoy the bread of life he provides. Will you allow him to prepare nourishment for your dinner. Is your room clean? And what's for dinner? These are familiar questions. And a partnership with Jesus can be had if the answers are correct. Jesus has helped me understand the meaning of is my room clean and what's for dinner? He helped me understand what a partnership is with Jesus. Helped me trust in his guiding word. He helped me hold him like a dear friend. He helped me understand the relationship I need with him. He helped me understand that any success I have comes from him. There are at least six things you can be assured of if you include in your life, if you include in your life, that can make your 2014 commitment successful. The first is, help from Jesus is essential to making change and keeping your commitments. Matthew 19, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Number two, Jesus is standing at the door ready to come into your room. Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Number three, you must be willing to put away non-essential items or habits and clean your room of those things which would interfere or distract you from what Jesus has to say and share. From Job, if you would prepare your heart and stretch out your hands toward him, if iniquity were in your hand and you would put it far away and would not let wickedness dwell in your tents, then surely you could lift up your face 
without spot, yes, you could be steadfast and not fear. Number four, Jesus is willing to complete the cleaning of your room. From Psalm, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will become whiter than snow. Number five, Jesus will feed you exactly what you need to be successful. From Malachi, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Number six, being successful means my life will be more about Jesus and less about me. From Ephesians, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Is your room clean? What's for dinner? Thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for the invitation. And now we invite you, come into our tent, into our room. Share with us the good news. Teach us the good news. And encourage us to share the good news with others. We look forward to having dinner with you. In Christ's name, amen.